This is The Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Wave podcast. With this episode, we're talking about another movie that is in the conversation with the award season coming up. It is Saltburn, which is written and directed by Emerald Fennel. It stars Barry Keoghan, Jacob Elordi, Archie Medekwe, Richard E. Grant, Rosamund Pike, Carrie Mulligan, and Allison Oliver. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined, as always, by Liz Seiko. Hello, everybody. And let's get into it, because this is a movie that we both saw last week. Uh, we're filming this, what's today, Monday? We're filming this the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yes. And we saw it over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, there's a lot to talk about with this film. <laughs> it's a wild movie, people. Um, I guess let's just go into first reactions. Why, why don't you tell me? The first thing I first, thought of when I walked just, out of the theater? Just first instincts, first walking out, what were your thoughts? All right, so the movie is very inventive and original, mm -hmm. which I really like. Uh, Emerald Fennel's first movie, if our viewers were unaware of this, was Promising Young Woman. Yes. Uh, it came out, I forget, I want to just double check what the year it came out. It came out 2020. 20, it was yeah. the 2020 year, so it was COVID year. Um, and it wasn't the COVID Oscars, though. Because the COVID Oscars, I think, was the 2019 year, because that was the year Parasite won. Yes. Yeah, so. And so the awards, they were in, 20, uh, Promising Young Woman was, was the 2021, 2021 Academy Awards. Yeah. Um. Also starred Carrie Mulligan. She mm -hmm. only has a cameo in this movie, but I'm a big fan of that movie. I think you are as well. I am too. Um, and that kind of put Emerald Fennel like on the map because she won an Academy Award for that for writing. And people were like, she's the new female it girl. Mm -hmm. Like she's going to be the next Greta Gerwig. Completely different style of filmmakers. Very different. Um, but I did really enjoy that movie. I loved the story she told with that and the um, – she basically lives in the modern age of like erotic thriller. Mm -hmm. That's like the best way I feel like you could put her. At least I don't want to pigeonhole her into a genre or – but that's what she's done thus far in her directing career. Yeah. I think she also – just her tone so far from the two films, um, it's kind of like punky almost or like has a very um, – I don't know, very like edgy tone to it. I just remember both soundtracks for me, very like they resonate, uh, yes. resonate a lot with me. Uh, like I actually listen to the Promising Young Woman soundtrack like all the time. That's awesome. And then I like halfway through this film, um, I was like, okay, I was like this music. I was like, I feel this. So I think she has an interesting tone, which different uh, makes her different from Greta because Greta, I think, uh, wants to make kind of classic films that people love with a slightly modern twist while um emerald fennel i feel like is coming at it from more of like almost a sadistic point of view some of her films yeah. mm -hmm. i think that it's twist it's interesting because i i do i see the modernalities in the, like you were saying the way that she utilizes music and yeah. score in her films emerald fennel but there isn't and even in the dialogue and the writing it's very modern but it still resembles that like 90s era erotic thriller when mm. that was like a high point right like fatal attractions were coming out yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that but these are a little more heightened these mm -hmm. types of stories and saltburn in general going back to the movie we we're talking about <laughs> sorry um, sorry guys just a little <laughs> tangent um is a movie that will definitely have you thinking after you walk out of it that's that's like putting it lightly uh I don't want to get too deep into spoilers in the beginning for the no. people that haven't seen this. Uh, we will be spoiling it later. We'll warn you when that happens. But just to give a roundabout idea of what the film is, um, basically, uh, Barry Keoghan plays this character named Oliver Quick, who uh, is a student at Oxford University. And he is um, 
he's pretty he's like a loner he doesn't mm-hmm. really have any friends but it's very obvious that he is an onlooker of uh, and an admirer of like the high society of of uh oxford yes and uh he becomes friends with this um aristocratic classmate it's a good way of putting it i mm-hmm. feel like which is played by jacob lord who's having a hell of a year oh my god first of all what a tr- what a transition from uh elvis to like this role well also Very you for- different. also you for like you talk about the jump that he had even last year like let's say i don't remember if euphoria season two came out 2022 or 2021 but even in that two-year period he did that and he did that hulu another erotic thriller that came out i forget the name of it but it was a movie with wow. anna de armis and ben affleck had you have you heard of this or seen this movie? No, wait, what are you talking? I don't so know what you're talking he about. He did uh we're getting on tangents already. But this is because we're so excited about this movie. So um he did um uh, Deep Water is the name of it. Oh no, I haven't um, seen it. And that was a uh, Adrian Lynn film. And uh he basically played like the boy next door for like Anna de Armas' character. Okay. And this is this year is already a far cry from that. Like yeah. he's already getting heightened work. He's working with two distinguished female directors and names in the industry with Emerald Fennel and Sofia Coppola. But so he plays the classmate and eventually uh, about midway through the film, maybe a little before midway through the film, he invites Barry Keoghan's character to his family's estate for the summer. Um, and, and it unfolds from there. Yes, that's a good way <laughs> of putting it. So without spoiling too much, let's start with the, Let's start with the performances and then we'll go back to the question that I have written on the notes for you. Okay. That you already saw. Okay. Um, which stinks. I wish you could <laughs> say it. But uh, let's start with the performances. So um, Barry Keoghan. I don't know if there's anybody in the industry that plays a psychopath better than him yeah. right now. What are your thoughts on his role in this movie without giving too much away on the onset? Um, I – so – I would say the first 20 minutes of this film, um, he is playing a character that is very different than he usually plays. At least I think um, it's a very normal uh, tone, kind of. Um, he's just like a regular guy who's trying to make it throughout uh, university and he's trying to like get in the in crowd a little bit. Um, and I'm, I was a little bit taken back because I was like, oh, wow, usually he's playing the... Um, kind of like like creepy character yeah. that makes you very unsettled. But I feel like in the beginning, he was really... Ju- I was like, okay, he's just playing like kind of the underdog almost. Mm-hmm. And I just think his performance, he so beautifully did the whole transition of really unfolding into a character that you started to get more and more uneased by. Yes. Rather than having it be this dramatic change. So then it's just such a dynamic performance because the whole time you're thinking back and you're like, but no, maybe he's really not that uncomfortable. Maybe he's not that creepy. Like he was okay in the beginning of this film. So maybe he's justified, maybe this. And you're really um, just rooting for his character in a way for the whole time. Uh, I think it's probably one of his most interesting performances i think some of his other performances he always has that look in his eye where you don't know where he's going Mm -hmm. with the character but this one specifically i think he actually uh reeled the the audience in a nice way yeah my brother actually shout out to my brother he actually said i saw this with him and i walked down i was like so crazy man barry keoghan can never play a normal character and he goes well if you look like that how could you ever play a normal character (laughs) i'm like holy shit 
But I don't. What do you? I don't get that though. Like I think that he. Um, I think he has a very unique look, and I think that it helps him add dimension to these sort of roles because maybe. I do think that part of what you just said too uh, about him playing this normal or seemingly normal character in the beginning of the film, it even had you thinking like, wow, this, this is interesting because I haven't seen him do something like this. Meanwhile, as you begin, as things start to unravel, Starts, yeah. he is able to hook the audience in and have you, like you said, somewhat root for his character. If that's how you interpret it, mm -hmm. some people will hate his character at the end of this movie. I, I would think, yeah. but there's something about him that's very dynamic and very different. And this sort of setting, like this posh, very rich, I felt like he was the perfect casting. Like, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't think of anybody else that would be able to add the layers and the depth to his character that's currently, like, in the industry. Like, mm -hmm. like at least male stars. Like, I was trying to think, and I was like, no, nah, there's not, like, there wasn't anybody that I could think that could play the character in the way that he does and have you believe him from the beginning. Because even, even some of the things that he winds up telling Felix's character, Jacob Elordi, some of the things you believe. Yeah. Like you see like the pain in his eyes or mm -hmm. you think you do. And there's so much to that. We'll get into the we'll details into of it. it. But I also think really great cast. I don't know why, but like every time Jacob Elordi is in a film, I just feel like the height difference between him and his co um, co-star adds such a layer of relationship because I feel like there was a power difference in the beginning of when they're starting to become friends at university versus towards the end. Um, and there's like one scene specifically when they're like standing over the bridge that I kept thinking that I was like, wow, I was like, I feel like they're leaning into this height difference of, and power struggle without making it so on the nose, which I just really appreciate. Cause I think sometimes, I mean, they it's kind of a known thing when an actor is super tall compared to their co-star it can add a lot of frustration for the crew on the background because mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out how do we work the camera around this um how do we like incorporate this into the story and i just feel like um jacob alordi is working with directors that know how to work with his height in a really nice way yeah i think also on screen he sort of evokes this movie star quality to him that we haven't seen in a while like mm -hmm. he reminds me of an old-timey actor because of his stature like yeah there aren't a lot of actors i mean people talk all the time like the last movie star realistically that a lot of people talk about is tom cruise and he's like notoriously one of the shortest guys in hollywood yeah like so you have this guy who comes in who's like six foot six in real life and he Barry Keoghan is not a very tall actor either. No, not at so all. So putting them next to each other definitely adds that juxtaposition mm -hmm. and that power dynamic like you talked about. Um, and you see that in Priscilla too. Yes. And, and uh, Kaylee Spaney is also like insanely short. Well, I know. That's like, why I'm like, are they doing this on a purpose in a way of being like, okay, let's try to really enhance that height difference and make it. Known. You see it in euphoria too. Yeah, you do. So, um, I just think it's really nice. And then I also, I feel like Jacob Elordi, he's really starting to transform himself out of that kind of like bro vibe that he could have gotten stuck in. Honestly, after euphoria, I think after being in a huge show like that, sometimes you as an actor start thinking like, okay, this is what I was good in. Let me stick with this and try to keep going. And I feel like he's doing a ton of different work. 
Like this role, it's, um, yes, it's like an upper class character, but he's not leaning into that snotty, uh, looking down on the world it's almost he's bringing in tones of that he uh kind of despises his wealth in mm -hmm. a way uh and i just think that he somebody could have made this character very one toned as just like the rich kid who is feeling bad for the poor kid so he's bringing him back to his house and i think jacob alordi really brought in a lot of nuances to make his character new and not just something that we've seen on screen already yeah i agree i i think that he's his talent is starting to show especially with the talent he's choosing to work with not mm -hmm. only like you said on in terms of the ensemble in this movie is great yeah but the talent behind the camera is very dynamic and very different than uh even like the things that you've heard on set that possibly have happened with barry levinson sets like we're talking about like Sofia Coppola is someone that has not only like her own film work, but her father, like she's been around cinema her whole life. Yeah. So working alongside someone like that, someone like Emerald Fennell, who was an actress before she even went behind the camera, like understanding that aspect of it. And then he's with these Oscar um, nominated actors and actresses, mm -hmm. Carrie Mulligan, like we said, has a cameo in this. She's great in the movie for the she's small so role she good. has. Um, and Richard E. Grant, I think Richard E. Grant, is like one of the most underrated talents. And I'm like yeah. sad that it's taken so long for him to have like a breakout mm -hmm. because everything he does, he he's so good at playing angry. Mm -hmm. It's cr like the scene, um, the scene later on in the film between him and Barry Keoghan's character. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I was like, you could feel the tension in between them. And I was like, this is, this is great. And Rosamund Pike, I mean, Oh my God. So good in this movie. So good. So, um, I, honestly so funny at times mm. also i feel like she really brought in the air uh because for me it got to a point where there was a lot of tension in the film and you didn't know where it was gonna go but then she would come on screen and you would just be like okay i don't care what happens next but i'm here for it because she's uh kind of leading the story and making it not um not just like a mystery or like a suspense film. She is bringing in that artistic tone to make it an overall uh, very dynamic film. Um, yeah, I loved her performance. And then the two young actors that uh, have roles mm -hmm. in this, uh, Archie Medekwe, who is also studying in Oxford. He's Felix's cousin. Uh, he's having a big year because he was in this just this year alone. He was in Bo is Afraid. Mm -hmm. So an Ari Aster movie. He's the lead in Gran Turismo, which actually is like one of the higher rated blockbuster -y type movies this year. Okay. So he leads a, a potential franchise that's based on a video game. He's in Heart of Stone with Gal Gadot. So mm -hmm. he's in a big streaming movie. And then he has this this like real character role in Saltburn. Again, working alongside some heavy hitters. I really liked him in the movie, but Alison Oliver is the standout for a lot of people. Yep. She plays Felix's sister. Um, Venetia, I think her name is. And we were just looking right before we started recording. The only like big role that she has had prior to this was um, she's in the uh, series conversations with friends, which neither of us have seen, unfortunately. No, so we can't speak on that, but, I feel like she's going to be like she's going to skyrocket to the mm -hmm. top of like casting calls now because yeah. she's so dynamic. And the scene that she has as well, I that's my personally my favorite scene in the movie. The scene that she has with um, uh, Barry Keoghan's character. Uh, yes. The okay. one in the in the bathtub. Yes. Um, so I feel like we've covered a lot of the mm -hmm. the non spoilery things. Yeah, I do want to say I think the one thing um, back to the director 
emerald fennel i did listen to an interview of her i forget who it was with but she was kind of, they were asking her about these characters and like what led her to write such interesting uh people and she she said that she was like i come at it from the point of view that no no character is nice She's like, every character has something dark and like sinister inside of them. Um, and she's like, and that's what I really push my actors to investigate is like, don't just think that your character is perfect and beautiful. Try to find like those dark parts of it. But don't um, play don't, it that way. Don't play it that way. Yeah. Which I that is just if she's allowing her actors to start investigating characters and try to find things within them. I mean, no wonder it's a great script. She's, I think it's interesting, yeah. too, because usually it's the opposite where mm -hmm. they'll have like characters. Um, I was this is a little off topic, but similar in the tone. Uh, this is a Star Wars related thing that I was watching, but. Ray Stevenson, the okay. late great Ray Stevenson yeah. who just passed away, he plays a great role in Ahsoka and he is the villain of the series. Like mm. it's very obvious he's the villain of the series and he kept telling Dave, the creator, he goes, no, there's good in him. Mm -hmm. Like I can tell where the good is and a lot of characters that play villainous roles will be like, they'll find the reason why they believe that what they're doing is right. Yes. This is the opposite. Yes, it is. So I think that's very interesting and I do think that her experience as an actor had definitely helped with and that's why I think she's going to be such a strong director like she already is and a writer. I mean, yes. both films she's written and directed by herself. Mm -hmm. So I think she has a point of view and a strong voice that's just going to keep coming out and unfolding as she gets more and more comfortable behind camera. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm addressing the audience. Spoilers. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Saltburn, thank you for tuning into the first part of this conversation. Make sure you like come back. God Listen bless, to the rest of it. God bless you watching that film, though. Yes, it's a seriously. Lot. It's a lot. I mean, no, it just came out, so but we're excited to talk about it. If you guys haven't watched it, save it here. Come back later. Spoilers ahead. All right. This movie's fucked up. <laughs> this movie's batshit fucking crazy in the best possible way. Okay. Uh, I want to start with um, the question that I did have for you originally on my notes, though. So was this a movie that you viewed as satire? Or no? Or do you think it's more complicated than that? Like, do you think it's a mixture of both? So we talked for a second before. I think that this can be seen as satire depending on where you're coming from, whether you are lower class, middle class, upper class. Um, I think if you are middle or lower class, I personally think this reads as a little bit of satirical. Um, not the whole time, though. I definitely don't think that's it, how I feel. Yeah, it's I think not over moments, the top with satire. But I think if you're coming at it from a more higher class point of view, I don't think this is satirical at all. I think that this is more like a horror story. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. So I think it depends on where you're coming at it. Um, and I think this is it also says to her writing is that she's able to go in and out of satire to suspense to horror to romance in a lot of this film. Um, it's not labeled as one thing. And I think she really gives you a little bit of a roller coaster of each theme that you can think of. Yeah, I really love <clears throat> this era we're in in cinema and filmmaking that we're starting to see class and race and sex being used in a way that makes scripts more dynamic yeah. and makes stories highlighted in a way where it's not only something that's important to talk about, but it's being put on a platform where something is being 
inventive. Mm -hmm. I thought that this movie has a lot of that baked in it. Mm -hmm. I think um, my mom was saying to me, uh, she goes, I feel like it's like has a lot of Illuminati vibes. And I was like, oh. yeah, I guess like that dark underworld of like the posh. Yeah. Like elites. And there are moments where you see that there is some imagery that you see in that with mm -hmm. like the statues and the maze and yep. things like that. Um, so I thought that was really cool. But yeah, in terms of satire, there are moments where you can feel that they're playing just a heightened version of themselves. Yeah, they're leaning into it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But I do think that this plays more as like that erotic thriller. Like this is a legit story of uh, Oliver's character going down this rabbit hole with this family and finding every single possible way in which to come out on top mm -hmm. and um, live the life that he has always wanted, no matter what that means yeah. for anybody. But you know what was so good about this is that I don't know about you, but the whole time I was I knew something was going to happen that so, they, we were leading up to something tra tra like traumatic happening or something was going to change and put flip the whole script around. I wasn't sure, though, if it was going to come from the family and having like power and wealth that mm -hmm. they were going to be the sinister turn. And that's something at the party, like all of a sudden the party was going to turn to something even more dark and erotic like from, sinister, yeah. from their point of view, from like, oh, the kind of like what your mom was saying about the Illuminati. Yeah. Like, is it the rich family that all of a sudden is going to start doing something more bizarre than we've already seen yeah. on screen? And then there was a little part of me that was like, maybe it's his character. Maybe it's Oliver. Oliver? Yeah. Right? Oliver, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's Oliver's character that's going to be the going to break after all of this um all these different events that he went through and so i think she just did a really great job of like feeding you breadcrumbs throughout the whole thing without actually leading to leading you to the twist that was going to happen yeah cuz i didn't fully expect him to have planned everything out well the other thing is that like we said she's known for twists in her mm -hmm. first two film this film and, and promising young woman but like you were just saying the film is marketed that it's very like cult like. Yes. It's, it's marketed as if a lot of it falls on the um, moments in between with the family and and Oliver's character. So, again, the best thing about that is you're subverting your viewer going into it. Yeah. Uh, about thinking a certain way or feeling a certain way. Um, so, yeah, I think that she she is a really talented filmmaker in terms of like – it's like a high wire act. It's like trying to, or, or make, like, again, like leading, um, what is, uh, like, it's like leading a mouse to cheese or something like that. Like a, some, something, yes. similar. but like, you're just very slowly bringing in your viewer, bringing mm -hmm. in your viewer. And in this film, she actually hits you with like another twist early on with Oliver's character. Oh my God. I know. And so was that something you saw coming? Cause I didn't, um, I, I did on the way there, yes. but like, yeah, uh, so I didn't, expect it like at all until they got in the car and um Lordy's character was like oh we're going to see your parent like your mom or not parents mom and he started like freaking out well it's actually I was like oh I, I was like some shit's going down it's kind right of now. there's actually kind of an indication before that like before Which he part? even says his mom well before he says his mom but like they pass a sign where oh, they're and going and he like, goes where are we going mm -hmm. and then he looks around and this is what I love Barry Keogh. he's such a great actor mm -hmm. He gives this look of absolute fucking terror mm -hmm. because he knows that in his soul exactly where they're going <clears throat> and he knows that the jig is going to be up. Yeah. Like he knows that at that point 
everything that he had talked about, everything that he had worked towards to try to get this guy to believe him and try mm -hmm. to uh, supplant himself within Jacob Lordy's character's family, Felix's family, that all of that is going to go away once yeah. they get there. But uh, yeah, no, it's... It's just, it's really great storytelling and unfolding. Also, great trailer because I agree with you. She, um, the promotion of this really did make it seem like it was going to be a young boy who gets kind of swallowed in the life of um, a wealthy family and that he was going to start getting uh, tossed into like their cult rituals and mm. stuff like that. But thinking back on it, every like jaw dropping and uncomfortable and erotic moment that happened actually came from Barry's character. Yes. None of the other family members yes. initiated those uncomfortable or cult like moments. Yeah. Cause you think he's getting wrapped into a sex cult with yes. the family. And so much of it again is that he is the one enacting these sexual acts upon multiple, not only like literal sexual acts upon characters, mm -hmm. but even like Individu verbal, and, verbal cues. Yeah. Or even just like individual, like things that have nothing to do with the other family members. It's just solely him on screen yes. doing these very erotic, uncomfortable like things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but at the same time, the whole time he just beautiful acting because he's not making you hate his character. The whole time you're trying to figure out like, okay, what are his motives? Does he just love this? His does he just love a Lordy's character so much that he's like doing all these things to stay around him? Um, and they do a great job of not showing you his motives too early on. Yeah. Did you get that sense that it was a romantic <clears throat> interest that he had even after all the things and by the time the film's wrapped up? Or do you think it was like a friendship? Um, I feel like it's a bigger conversation. Okay, so. I think that that is kind of what they leave you walking to away, decide to decide yeah. for yourself. I think that it started as an obsession kind of that eventually turned into like love. Um, but what sort of love? Well, exactly. Because then in that ending scene, when he's taking care of the, the mom, mm -hmm. taking care, quote unquote, <laughs> Um, and he's like, I loved you all, but then I also hated you all. Mm. So I think it's also questioning that fine line of like love versus hate. And like, can you so easily love somebody, but then also hate them at the same time? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And to the point that he, I mean, I think that this is also like a conversation in a lot of literature and films as well is um, obsession in love and loving somebody so much that you don't want them to be away from you or love somebody else other than you. So the only thing that these characters see as a uh, possibility is to like kill the other person. So that's so you felt I, I was going to say based on what you were just saying, I thought he might have felt that way of wanting to just be with Felix. Rather yes. than, yes. 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 Okay, I can see that. So, like, I, uh, my interpretation of the ending and what um, Oliver's motives were is that he wanted to be with Felix so badly and he really was doing all these different things. And I think in his mind, all these other sexual acts that he was doing with Felix's sister and his cousin were reasons to stick by Felix. And ha in his mind, he was doing maneuvers to get to him in the end. <clears throat> and then when Felix was like, no, like fully like I'm done with you. I never want to see you again. In his mind, he was like, OK, well, that's not going to 
that I won't accept that. So I'm going to kill you. So no one can. So have nobody you. can have you. Yeah, it's fucking dark. But then after that, I think it then took a turn of the clo the way for him to be still closest to Felix is to own his family's home. And how do you do that? By waiting till the dad dies and then you kill the mom. It's fucking crazy. Crazy. So the every single character essentially has this this reckoning moment. Yeah. Um, each scene is more compelling than the next. Uh, these intimate one on one scenes that you finally get with oliver along with all these other characters once felix passes away even the stuff that's baked in between like the scene uh the day of them discovering his body where they're at the table is like fuck oh my god that it's scene like is crazy fireworks going off yeah. between everybody actors. Yeah, every everybody. single every single person in that scene and um you lead out of that scene and, and i love the the way they decide to make the whole room red like mm -hmm. with the lighting i thought so that was good. that was a great little um visual cue but more than that like yeah so you see the the scene in the bathtub that he has with uh with allison oliver's character venetia was one we talked a little bit before mm -hmm. um that scene it shows you how fucked up she is and how mentally disturbed and broken she is as a person that <coughs> excuse me she also the interpretation what great writing of like comparing him to a moth because mm -hmm. i was like then you look back and you think back to all the things that came before that scene and how he literally just lurks around yes it's literally like and you could like uh people like use the term like wallflower like mm -hmm. fly on the wall like no this is a moth that has burrowed his way into this family into their wealth into their empire and it's broken them down one by one. Yep. Despite the fact that they might be evil or interpreted as evil in their own ways or just shitty people, it's that that whole scene and that that whole discussion that the two of them have, I thought was like brilliant writing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if you wanted to comment on that. No, scene. No, I loved or... it. I thought her performance was also just um, I, I think her character is so interesting, too, because she's the one that keeps making you think like okay are these people crazy and like evil or are they just um like pro like do they just have their own issues like are they just regular people who have mental health problems um and she has like an eating disorder like is that just maybe she's just dealing with that and then you add in this guy who just comes and ruins their life and so I think she did a really nice job of not leaning into the over the top like, oh, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. She kept it really honest and real of somebody who um, is kind of struggling in the beginning and then she ends up losing her brother and she completely loses it essentially yeah um yeah i thought her she's also so interesting to like look at i love her i, I just Whole I, yeah i just yeah. love her vibe i think she's really great um but back to the dinner scene i want to talk about that a little mm. bit more i loved that every person is having a slightly different reaction from the every other character also because it's like the parents are trying to hold it together. You're talking but, about the breakfast scene. No, no, the like uh, the scene after they find his body. Yeah, it was breakfast, wasn't was it? It, breakfast? it was the next morning. Okay, they're yeah, eating like the, the pie or whatever. It the is. meat pies. The meat pies. It's, more, it's the next morning, so I guess like it can be considered whatever you want it to be, but it is in the morning because the coroners are there yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just love it because every reaction is very intense but very different. So yes. we have like the dad who is 
kind of just like in denial, but also leaning toward anger. But then you have the mom who's in denial and like completely just like blank, blank. Like, yeah. I'm not going to acknowledge any of this. Um, and then you have the sister who's just like losing it and is just pouring out wine and wine and wine. And you're like, oh, my God. And the weirdest thing is all these reactions are very off. But then you look at Barry, who is not even like affected almost. And he's like the weirdest one at that table. You're like, yo, something's off with this yeah. guy. Um, did you know right away that he was the one that did it or no? No. Did I didn't. Did you suspect I kinda, it? I genuinely kind of thought up until we start to see some things, I thought that he OD'd. I thought that it was something where he like was doing oh, too much coke okay. and he just OD'd and he winded up dying in the, cause you don't, you actually also don't even get a visual no, you don't see him of Felix's character, like yeah. of Felix, you don't get anything of that. Um, and that's a heartbreaking scene where, mm -hmm. with Richard E. Grant's character trying to like get him I to know. wake up and shit is awful, we but you need to get him inside. Yeah, I was like, Oh my God. So sad. Um, but yeah, that so that at that point I still really didn't have an idea. Okay. So you did you have an idea at that point, or you just thought something was off with him? And um, well, I had seen him hand him the bottle. See, my brother said the same thing, so he caught on to it. And so I, I was like, oh, I, I was like that. That was very pointed to me. Um, but I love that they didn't show us him because I feel like yeah. if I had seen his face of that he like wasn't murdered, but just like. Uh, was poisoned or yeah. OD'd or whatever happened to mm -hmm. him, I think it would have been a little bit more obvious to me because I was kind of like, what's happening? The whole time, though, throughout the party scene, I kept those antlers, the antler heads. I you, kept you know, thinking I was like, something's going to happen with those. I don't know why, but I was like, somebody's going to get stabbed. I kept getting the vibe. <laughs> have you ever seen the Fallout Boy uh, Sugar We're Going Down video? <laughs> yes. I just literally could not stop thinking about the guy with antlers in the Sugar We're Going Down video. Just kept reminding me of that. Um, but there's so many there's so many great scenes in this. There's so many well-written scenes in this. Mm -hmm. Um and I I love a majority of the movie. Now, <laughs> what do we not like? I feel like this is time to bring this what? up. So the movie is very erotic. We've discussed that. Some of it works. Some of it does not work for me. Okay, let's talk about that. What doesn't, like, what do you mean it doesn't work for you? Obviously, there's two scenes that are just very. Well, there's uh, there are four scenes in the film that you can point out that are very poignant and very over-the-top erotic scenes. We have the bathtub scene. There's the bathtub scene. There is the um, oral sex scene in the, in the, yes. on the property. There is the soil scene, we can call it for now. Soil. Oh, the, the grave, grave. scene. <laughs> and then there's the ending of the film. Now, the ending... See, I wouldn't call the ending of the film, though. I agree. To me, totally fit the vibe. Yeah. Totally was good. I actually laughed throughout it. I, I thought loved it. Was it. Great. I thought it was I loved great, it as well. Like, I thought it was a great ending. Yeah. That was a great ending. I understand that the other... Th <laughs> Two of the three scenes I don't even think are necessary. Okay. I do think it's, like, over the top. And I don't think it's... You could have shown it in a different way. Okay. The bathtub scene, to me, I don't think needs to be in the movie. I, really? Because I think that's the first moment that you realize like... That something's fucking wrong. Or just the level of obsession that this is taking. Yeah. Yes. It was a little too much for me. I, I just... Uh, to me, it was something that I like... I, I don't know how to say this. You're very uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable with it. She probably... I I mean, I think that's what she was going for. Yeah. A hundred percent. They possibly can. A hundred percent. And like... 
she did her job as a director. It was just something to me that I could have done without. Well, they also went very long, those scenes. Yes. That's the, the second scene that I was going to bring up, I think, is another one that I understand its relevance. Okay. But it's way too long. And it's the soil scene. Mm-hmm. Like, you're on him having sex with the gravesite for a full minute. And I'm like, and you're laughing, but I'm like, I'm just speaking my truth. Was, everyone, no, no, no. I'm laughing because the whole time I like. Tell me you just turned. To- <laughs> no, I honestly, I was just laughing the whole time because I was so uncomfortable. No, at, at some point I did too. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. I'd love to talk with this director to be like, how did you want people to react? Yes. Did you want people to be horrified? Did you want people to laugh? Did you want people to feel bad for him? Like. In that, like, what did you, because, I mean, it's not just him, like, having sex. He's also, like, ve- going, he's going he's through emotional. grief. He's emotional. He's, yes. going through grief in that moment. So then it's, like, what are you supposed to feel for this character? Yeah. And I think. Um, and at least in terms of what you just said there, too, like, that is that is what I felt. It's, like, yeah. how am I supposed to feel yeah. for Oliver? And, and that's why I didn't, like, I didn't enjoy that scene because of that. Because, because I didn't understand mm-hmm. where, what I was supposed to feel. What emotion was I supposed to get out of that? Um, other than the fact that, yeah, I guess he's obsessed. But I think it just showed, though, the level of obsession is that it wasn't, it's not just, uh, oh, I'm going to watch you through your window. It's like heightened to the point that he would kill this person because he's so obsessed with him. Yeah. You know, but then do something else as well. Oh, yeah. But also, I think I think what makes this film so um, uncomfortable, let's just saying, is that other films, when they when they touch on something very uh, like taboo, Mm -hmm. like these scenes do, they almost um, don't show it to the full extent. They they make you think it's going to happen, but they don't show it on screen. Mm hmm. She did very long cuts, in my opinion. Yeah. For for both the she back, let everything breathe. Everything. Not breathe. only those scenes in particular, but the the film in general. But yes. Yeah. So like, like the grave scene, you could have just shown him like taking off his clothes and like one like yes. okay we got it horrified great no that thing went on for another like it's like a full minute it's a full minute so. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> Besides, for some reason, she wanted it to just be there for the audience to experience yeah. and like watch. Um, and I had a bad experience with that. <laughs> that is where I come from with that. It, mm-hmm. it it made me feel super uncomfortable. And again, there are other like there's there's a difference in terms of uncomfortable too, right? Like there's I never understood. I guess I can't say I've never understood. I've just never gone through the experience of like, you know how they talk about how at some film festivals there'll be critics that see something and they just get up and walk out because they're like disgusted by yeah. it. I have never reached that level of of cinema. I don't think this movie does that either. But this is the most uncomfortable I've ever been by a scene in a movie. Interesting. In, in a theater. See, I feel like um... – and I do, and actually, to be honest with you, as I mean that that scene, I think because of the length, it makes it That's harder why. for me. The bathtub to me was the worst, but I just, I think to me that's like the close. <laughs> I'm not gonna dive into this. 
I'm not gonna dive into this. But I think that's a level. This is like the level of horror because, yes. like, because it makes you uncomfortable to the point of being queasy. Also, which a lot of horror does. I mean, I think of I've seen a lot of like the Saw movies, and there's levels of me being like, no, I can't watch anymore. Yeah, of this I guess, because yes. it's so um, it's it's just so uh hard to digest in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, like the fact that you were going into this film. It's just the entire arc. It starts off very, uh, uh, like she doesn't introduce anything sexual in the first probably like hour. And then all of a sudden, the first scene, it's a very, very graphic bathtub scene. And you're mm -hmm. like, wait, what the, like, what are we doing right now? And yeah. it just kept keeps and also pushing you. But it also subvert, that scene subverts you completely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because at least when he starts to peek in on Felix, I thought something else entirely was going to happen. Okay. Like what? You thought he was going to like murder him or something? No, I thought it was going to be a sexual sort of thing. Okay. I thought he was going to walk up to him, maybe like massage his shoulders. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know. But what actually happens is something that is just like, I feel like majority of viewers would be like, oh my God. Do you think it was completely unnecessary or you think that... It made me uncomfortable. But do you think it was unnecessary? Uh... There are just other ways you could do it, I think. Okay. But I get it. I understand it. It just made me uncomfortable and I didn't like it. I think it's because of the length. I think if she had cut it to a point that you didn't see the full extent of it. When you he's just... not slurping? <laughs> yes, Liz, I agree. This movie. I think if she had just. Talk about fucking. Wait a minute. By the way. <laughs> Talk about the queen of we need to cut these movies down. Now, this movie's <laughs> length is great. No, but I love Emerald this Fennel, length. please. Let's make some cuts to these scenes. So that's my only thing is I do think she could have cut like 15, 30 seconds off of each of the like erotic sex scenes. Mm -hmm. um, but not because I hated the length of the film, only because of how uncomfortable people Yes. Were. But at the same time, I was in a movie theater with not that many people. And because I started laughing, I feel like other people were laughing. Yeah. So I feel like it's the tone of like who you're with and watching it. Um, but yeah, she... I think she could have cut a little bit. I think she could have cut she a little cut. bit. She could have cut. She could have cut. But I don't know. For What's some a, reason, wait, wait, we actually it. didn't talk about the other erotic scene either because I'm what curious. The scene in the in the feet like in the on at the estate. Oh, with, with the Venetia. Sister? Yes. Okay. I mean that was another very one. long, very long, very long. Could have cut. Very graphic. <laughs> What are you? What is your take on that one? Um, I okay. So after that scene, when the cousin is like watching them through the window, I will say I thought it was going to take a different turn because he was like, "Oh, you stupid boy!" I was like, "Wait, are we going to do some like witchcraft thing now?" Where because <laughs> like he like went down on her, like all of a sudden now he's he he's possessed or something. So I didn't know what way we were going to turn with this. Um, I will say with that scene, I'm a little confused by his motives, you know, like, is it just that he was attracted to her and that's fully why, or like, I, like, was it a power play? Was he actually sexually yeah, invested with her? I guess I was just a little confused on like, if, okay, so he clearly had this entire thing planned out from the beginning. He popped the bike tire just so that he could start talking to Felix's character and so on and so on. So it's like, what is that power play or chess play of hooking up with his sister? Yeah, I don't know. 
I, I don't know if it's because the result of that too is that he has the conversation with Felix at the pool and Felix is really pissed. Yeah. When uh when um Archie Medekwe's character tells him. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate saying that. Um what's the character name? Farley. When Farley tells um Felix that he saw him through the window mm-hmm. going down on Venetia and he's like I I there was this other person that I brought here once and I didn't That's another by the way that's another thing that's not addressed in the movie which I actually don't like. Um I guess I Did they I, talk about a different friend that was brought over? Not that the Venetia goes I think I'm going to like you more than the rest indicating that there have been other people that he has brought. Yeah. So what does that mean? Like so to again, me, I, I don't even know how to interpret that. Like I didn't, once she said that, I was like, that also led me to the sex cult where I was like, Oh, okay. So do they have like these other like Oxford boys or men yeah. under like control and they're, they're going to be coming around. Well, and then the, like, it, it was also, very, that, that, that line of dialogue to me threw me. For I a little think bit. that again, just great script of making you question like, okay, who is the villain in this, this mm-hmm. whole time? Because also Carrie Mulligan's character gets, She's she dies off screen. They say they're like, oh, she she died. I'm going to her funeral. And uh, uh, Oliver's character is like, wait, what? She died. Yeah. Which then makes you think, like, did they kill her off because she lived with them and they didn't want her to be around talking about them anymore? Mm. Um, And so I guess the whole film makes you just question the whole time of if Oliver hadn't killed Felix, like, would it have still taken a sinister turn? But from. Their perspective, their perspective onto Oliver. Yes. It's interesting. Like, did he beat them to the punch almost? It's a good question. It's a good question. Did, I don't know. I don't know either. Like, did almost... Because the ending, obviously, there's a very long nudity scene at the end of him yes. dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I don't know, that for me felt kind of like a victory yes. lap. And I felt similar. Yeah. And so for me, I walked away thinking like, okay, it was <clears throat> kind of like a killer be killed situation and he's the one that came out on top because they would have gotten rid of him in the end if he hadn't gotten rid of all of them that's true Mm -hmm. i could see it that way and then i will say there was also a moment when he saw the mother at that bakery um which i was like wait did he do all of this to be with the mother. That's what that? I thought too. Immediately. Yeah, right. That's immediately what I thought. Because mm-hmm. they also have that a good throwaway ish scene. Um, which again, I guess I guess it's not throwaway because all of it leads us to the ending. The ending. Yeah. But the scene where they have their moment together and when they're he's like drinking like, outside. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no wonder she is the way she is, because she's uh she's like her mother, and then she like blushes or says something to him and he goes, She's like, What are you talking about? And he's like, You're fucking beautiful. I know. And I was like, oh, shit, what's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. At that point, I thought it was going to be a sexual thing with every character. That's what I thought, too. And I thought it was that, just going to be him playing the family or something yes, like that. Yes, that's, that's how I had thought. So she does subvert a lot in your brain in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes it a really good and twisted script. I, 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 I think that um, tonally and pacing, this is one of the best movies of the year in terms of that. I, like, I have said about every film that it could cut like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. This film, I really don't think anything should be cut except some of the scenes except could be some shortened of the erotic slightly. Scenes. But not for like a boring reason. It's yeah. just because it was very it was it, it was very uncomfortable after a while. Yeah. But I thought every moment was filled. Um the shots were 
gorgeous. Oh my God. Like the set design the and production design and costume design, beautiful. I feel like have to be nominated. At they the have to. I hope this gets a, lot, a good amount of Oscar. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. I have a very... feeling. I have a feeling this is going to be one of the ones that misses the boat. I do like, too. Like this is going to be one of the ones on the outskirts. And we talked, I think in our episodes last week for dream scenario and holdovers about some of the prospects of Academy Award nominations and things for some of the actors and, and stuff. As good as the ensemble is in this, I don't know if any of them get a nomination. I don't think so. I think if you have a lane for anybody, it's probably Barry Keoghan. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if this is the sort of role that would garner him, though it's worthy. I don't know if it's the type of role that would garner him the sort of attention for him. And even if he does get nominated, I don't think he has a chance to win. I don't think the Academy will love this film. This film. I agree. I do think it's interesting, though. I think it's interesting that they loved Promising Young Woman enough. I don't know how much. I want to double check and they, see. I don't think it was. I, I think Promising Young Woman was um, a big hitter, but I don't think they, that it took home like a ton. No, but I think it got nominated for a few. It did. Uh, I mean, so the only one it won was the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, double checking here on IMDb. Which it's because, honestly, that... It was the ending turn, I feel like, that really made that a a great script. Uh, Five nominations. Oh, she got nominated for directing. I didn't even realize that. So maybe she, honestly, it's I don't, possible. I, I, don't I think it's too strong of a year. Like not, no offense to promising young woman. I think it's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it personally. And in that year, I definitely think it should have been amongst the field. Mm-hmm. That was a very weak year. at The Academy. Awards. It was so. Well, is there are the, like, so for um, screenplay, are there other screen like films that you've seen that you think have better screenplays? Well, so one? the other thing is that this is, this is, I believe this would be under original screenplay. It would be. Yeah. So, that's the thing let's let's just do a double let's do a deep dive real quick i mean one that i think deserves an award is dream scenario for best screenplay do you think this is a better script than that film or no because they they're very very, similar worlds honestly i think they're just both horrific in unique ways i wouldn't say that they're in the same vein of movie see i would one i think is similar i think one is more heightened in a realistic sense i mean obviously i guess like saltburn to me is more heightened in a realistic sense i don't know the other one's pretty heightened like it's a guy that's showing up in dreams but that's why i think i think that one has more of a fantasy sci-fi ish element to it okay and this i think is just people yeah like yes yeah i think i i prefer the dream scenario screenplay more i like the movie more um but i do think that depending on um, sorry, I'm getting okay. so confused. It's okay. Right I'm now. asking you a lot. No, of I know. No, it's right totally now. fine. Um, I do think that this movie um is worthy of an original screenplay nomination. Do I think it's going to get one? No, I don't know. So let let's just say, this is from Variety. So I will say, just looking at the oh man, I don't even see it on here. No, I don't think it's gonna no. Happen. All right, so so they don't even have it within the top 20 potential for uh, screenplay original screenplay so their prediction predicted nominees i'm going to read these first and we can go down our rabbit hole one is the holdovers which i love the script you're not as big on the script i think you probably think it should be nominated i think it's worthy of winning yeah i, would I mean for screenplay i feel like i've seen that script before that's fair uh number two is past lives i love it absolutely if it were up to me 
and we're talking about past lives, holdovers, dream scenario, or saltburn, I would pick past lives. I would too. So that would be my pick. You know, based why? On I, right think, now. I think that script is just so tight. It's humane too. And there's nothing, in a very unique way. There's nothing I would take out of that film. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, the other three in their predicted nominees are three films we have not seen yet. So it's May, December, which we'll be reviewing in a couple weeks. Origin, which I keep hearing incredible things about, which is actually an adaptation. But I think that she completely changes like okay. a majority of it. That's why they put it under original. That's Ava DuVernay's new film. And Maestro mm. is another one because it's based on his life. But yes. it's a completely original screenplay. The other one's right outside Barbie. Which is definitely has a shot. I think Barbie Air, is. which definitely has a shot because people are talking about it. Like as a screen, if it gets anything, I think that's what it would get. A screenplay. I know okay. you don't love it, but Air is the one that they're talking about. Anatomy of a Fall. Okay. So oh, I am. Com- I am so sorry, everyone. Saltburn is number nine on this list. Get out. So I'm wrong. Wow. So Saltburn's number nine. Okay. And the Iron Claw is number ten, which I keep hearing big hitters over here. About. So. So Saltburn could sneak in there. It could sneak in for screenplay. Uh, I think definitely production design, though. I think production design. I think art design. I would hope it could squeak in for screenplay, but it's a very strong year. Uh, And I think Keoghan. But I think otherwise, like you can't – I wouldn't see it for editing as good as – as though the film is is a good runtime and everything. What about cinematography? I would probably say, yeah, based on what I've seen this year. Yeah. I would hope Barbie gets nominated for cinematography. Yeah. Oppenheimer's a, give, a given. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, past lives you could really give a nomination to anything, but I, I don't know if I would give. It's not like unique no, in its cinematography. I, I, I wouldn't say it, it made me like. I don't know. When I think of cinematography, I want something that really makes me um, like a, appreciate and notice the artwork that went into it, mm-hmm. not just something that like, oh, okay, I didn't even notice it. Yeah, like I, I, I want to notice. I want to notice the work and the creative choices that they made well i think that so let, who are the barbie and oppenheimer would be the two immediately that i've seen that i hope get nominated yeah um uh new york Lanthimos. poor things poor things is a, is well, a guarantee i it's haven't even seen nominated. it yet but i know that that's it's definitely get getting nominated um yeah but based on everything <laughs> else i i based on what i have seen this year i would put it in there okay i think my show is going to be another one that's going to be up there i do too i think it's going to have an interesting tone i do think for production design i haven't seen napoleon yet but i feel like possibly that could get an award for it. yeah I, I don't think Napoleon – I neither of us have seen it. Our no, but I haven't today, been Vinny hearing, has seen it. I haven't been hearing the hottest things, but, I mean, it's a big film. Yes. And so I think um, for costume and production, it might – If it sneaks it, into it, any Academy Awards, that goes. is what it will be nominated yeah, for, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, and maybe Vanessa Kirby, based on what I've heard, for Best Lead Actress. We're getting a, a we're pretty, getting a nod. We're getting we're a big gonna... nod, a heavy nod from <laughs> producer Vinny. Um, so yeah, so that's that's. I mean, we we've that's our prediction. We've gone into a lot of crevices here in the Saltburn conversation, a lot of corners of this movie. Um, let's let's give our scores. Let's give our scores. Do you want to go first? Uh, I want you to go first because okay. I feel like I go first a lot of the time. I do think you're going to have a higher score than me. I don't think we're going to be that far off from one another. No, but I'm curious because. Before we, we we try not to give scores ahead of time, but we talk. We obviously. talk. <laughs> uh, I was shocked to hear that you liked this movie more than Priscilla. I personally don't. Okay. But I it's not far off. I think it's because this film really shocked me. 
my jaw, I like I texted, I texted it to you. I was like, my jaw has been on the ground since halfway through that film. Um, Priscilla, I really uh, loved aesthetically. I think it was um, Kaylee Spaney's performance is beautiful. I think, though, as an overall memorable film, I think Saltburn takes it a little bit more than Priscilla. Um, they're also just very different. I don't know. Yeah, this one, incredibly different. Yeah, movies. they're just this one just kind of um, like it slapped me in the face a little bit more. Like Priscilla, for me, I went in and was like satisfied, but wasn't fully uh, su like surprised. Okay, you know, I wasn't. It, it you had a good meal at the restaurant, but it wasn't like you were after it. You weren't like, wow, that was one of the better meals I've ever had. In my I life. didn't want. I Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to reorder it and take it home again. OK, I like that. I like our but, food analogies on here. <laughs> what can I say? So um, I tend to like to do solid numbers for my for my uh, scores. So I, I don't people. So no. you're going to get a point something in a few minutes. I'm going to give this a nine. Okay, so you're a little higher than I am. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm giving this an 8.3. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, you went up I went up point. Point 0.1 uh, <laughs> from the beginning of Us. Because uh, I was looking at my list, too, in certain movies that I would put it ahead of. I have it right below. I have, like, three 8.5s. Okay. Um, Barbie is one of them. Barbie's a movie that the longer I've sat with it, I've liked it more. This film might fall into that same category mm -hmm. uh, with a repeat viewing, possibly, as well. Barbie, I think, is more rewatchability, and I think I'll return to that movie a lot more yes. <laughs> than I will with Saltburn. I've seen it twice already, and I'm ready for a third. Time. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm, I've seen parts of it a second time. I'm excited to watch it in full again soon. Um, I do. I the thing that I love the most about this that excited me is Emerald Fennel. Mm -hmm. I think that she is such a dynamic talent, um, and she is a filmmaker that I want to see all of her movies, and I appreciate how tonally. She's able to do something that a lot of directors nowadays are either not able to do or they're afraid to do it. Yes. And I love that now in term, at least in my mind, she's two for two in doing these dynamic, innovative, original sort of stories. And she's attracting this talent that I think is awesome. I mean, I love her cast in both films. Mm -hmm. I'm like. A, like in promising young woman, like seeing Bo Burnham in a movie, like made me almost cry. And then you see that the way his character is. And I'm like, holy shit, I hate this guy yeah. in real life. I'm obsessed with him. So in this movie, there's not a single actor wasted there. Like you said, there's not a moment wasted in terms of what is shown on screen. Yeah. It was just something that it's not like a movie that I'm, f it's not a film that I would fully walk away and be like, Oh, this is something that like, is totally my vibe. I really appreciated the movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful movie. I think that, like I said, the talent on screen sold me so much through this movie. Um, there are elements similar to, I think we talked about a little off screen, like some of these high class stories I'm over. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I think we've talked about this too. I like story that's baked in, everyday people mm -hmm. and past lives is like a perfect example of a movie that like hit me like a ton of fucking bricks and i walked out crying and yes this movie shocked me in a lot of ways some ways brilliantly some ways i was like i don't want to see this scene ever again i'll never watch this scene ever again if i ever see this movie again i'm skipping it so there are elements of that too but overall really good movie yeah um and really really excited to see what emerald fennel does next yep a filmmaker that, as much as I love my franchise stuff, 
I do not want to see anywhere near a franchise anytime soon. No. I think she needs to keep making original films. She needs to keep doing her own thing. And she's attracting this incredible talent. And she's such a talent that I hope that off the heels of this sort of movie and the fact that she already has an Oscar and she's mm -hmm. been nominated for best direct best director at the Oscars, which is a huge achievement in and of itself as a female director. I'm excited to see what happens with her going forward. Yeah. I also, I think what makes me um, like attracted to this film is it's uh, Margot Robbie's production company. Yeah. Lucky chap. And I Fucking just, killing I, have it. A, I have a soft spot in my heart. For, I know you do. For everything that's connected to that production company. She's doing great stuff. Great. Margo's, Margo's awesome. And, and the fact that, I mean, I, I, I think we talked about this on one of the podcasts recently, but so much of people are like, oh, Margot Robbie's big screen debut and Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, bitch, she was in About Time and I love that movie. But she came from being an unknown Australian actress that was best known for like a, a – She was on soaps. It was a soap. Yeah. And now she's this – She's a mega she's star, a mega star, and she's deserving of it because mm -hmm. she's an incredible talent and it's obvious on screen. Yep. But now to see the work that she's doing behind the scenes and the fostering movies like Barbie and doing things like Saltburn, it's yeah. really exciting to see the type of stories that Lucky Chap will continue to tell I'm going forward. I'm excited to see a lot of uh, female-driven um, directing and writing also, which is uh, we need more production companies that are doing that. Amen. Um, and shout out to anyone that saw Marco Robbie and Pan Am. Yes. I see <laughs> you bring this up every time. I have to go back and watch Pan Am, it's, I guess. It's only I don't one think season. I don't think it's very good, probably. <laughs> I mean, it got canceled. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes good shows get canceled. They do. Do you ever Thank watch you. Vinyl? No. I don't I even like I've Vinyl. never even heard of it. Oh, we'll talk off camera. Have you ever watched um oh my god, what is that? show on netflix that got canceled if tyler were here he would know because i made him watch it without knowing that it got canceled and it had a cliffhanger as an ending and so now we'll never know like what the end oh my god hold on i have to you need to give me some um, sort who's even actor uh, in the it society. Story? the society oh is that um that's the same guy that did oh who did the society was that mark webb I don't remember, but I just know it ends. Literally, season one ends on a huge cliffhanger no, Kaiser. and like making you like ready. And I remember being like, "Good cast." Oh my god! Like, when does season two come out? And it's just like the society canceled. And I was like, "That's why tough. did we watch this? Like, what a waste!" I know that's the thing that well, sucks yeah. sometimes with some of the Netflix stuff. Got a lot of Netflix got a lot of hate. I think when it got canceled, yeah, they have their job. cult followers, their cult job. followings. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it <laughs> for our Saltburn conversation. You um, if you guys enjoyed the conversation, please give us a like. Comment your thoughts on Saltburn overall. We want to hear your thoughts. Are you leaning more towards a 9-10 like Liz? Or are you more a little bit less than that like me? I still really enjoyed the movie, but I'm a little bit less than that. Or did you hate it like some of the credits out credit the critics out there that are not loving it yeah 69 percent on rotten tomatoes which was lower than i think we both anticipated coming into this review i agree is where they're at um if you guys don't already make sure you guys follow us at cinema wave media we're on instagram we're on tiktok we're on facebook we're on threads you guys could also follow us at underscore culture wave media where we're also on instagram on there as well just signing off i am darian scalamoni i am liz seiko and we'll see you guys next time